Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Roswell in the 21st century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on Earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 474 0086. 
This is a different perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here's the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. Before we launch into the program, I want to mention the passing of one of the good UFO researchers, Ted Phillips. He uh, got involved in the landing trace cases. I think he investigated some 4,000 of them. And he found a correlation between the type of imprints left behind and the object that had landed, which I thought was an interesting uh, development. Because if you can do that, it suggests some kind of predictability, which is one of the scientific requirements. But he was able to do that. But he spent a lot of time investigating landing trace cases, which produces some physical evidence of something having happened and could eliminate a lot of natural phenomena that way. He was respected by colleagues around the world, uh, set up a team to investigate landing traces. In the last few years, he was investigating a strange manifestation of lights in the I think the Missouri-Arkansas border area. But he did a lot of good work, uh, worked with uh, Jalen and Hynek and that sort of thing. And you know, it's one of the, the sad things that someone of his caliber has passed at this point because we need all the scientific research we can bring to the investigation of UFOs. I wanted to mention something else. I was watching a program, I think it was one of those flyover programs that they have on National Geographic, and they were in Montana, so naturally they had to uh, talk about the Battle of the Little Bighorn, or as the uh, other side calls it, the Battle of the Greasy Grass. And what they did was they mentioned that uh, Custer had been killed by uh, two wounds. He had one in the side. I think it passed through. Um, I, I always got the impression it was the right side through the liver and the lungs and would have been fatal. And there was another wound on his temple, which would have been instantly, almost instantly fatal. But what bothered me about this was that... Uh, the narrator said, legend has it that Crazy Horse was the one who killed Custer. I'd never heard that before. Back in the 19th century, the Lakota actually held a um, sort of an election to decide who would be blamed for killing Custer because all the white men wanted to know who had killed General Custer. And they picked one of the warriors out of there. There's no way to know who killed Custer. I'm thinking, and this will be the, probably the first place you'll ever hear it, it may have been one of the female tribe members. And the reason I say this is because after the battle was over, the, the women moved through the, tri uh, the battlefield and they, were, they killed, the, killed the wounded. And uh, the, the wound on the temple suggests somebody had put a pistol to his head and shot him to make sure he was dead. Uh, he may have still been alive. The wounds on his chest wouldn't have been instantly fatal. So it may, may have been that. But the point simply is there's absolutely no evidence that Crazy Horse had anything to do. Well, he, of course, led, the, led part of the Indians. But it, he didn't actually kill Custer. And there's really no evidence of who did. 
So I just, it just kind of annoyed me that here's this program on National Geographics and they're making this claim that is completely and totally bogus. <clears throat> now that I have that off my chest, I am joined by David Halperin. He has just published a book, Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of UFOs. I think he has something of a skeptical bend toward the UFO phenomenon. And we'll talk to him about that. And we'll talk to him about a couple of other things. David taught Judaic studies at the Department of Religious Studies at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, until his retirement in 2000. He has published five nonfiction books on Jewish mysticism and messianism, as well as coming-of-age novel, Journal of the UFO Investigator. His latest book, Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO. He blogs about UFOs and religion subjects at www.davidhalperin.net. And David Halperin is all one word. David Halperin, welcome to A Different Perspective. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. <clears throat> I'm going to uh, ask you a loaded question here to begin. It has nothing to do with your book, but uh, has to do with some of the things I've seen that you've published. And I noticed you, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and, and you may have gone back on this, but I noticed in the past you put some stock into what Cal Korf has written about the uh, Roswell case. <clears throat> do you still find that particularly persuasive? I don't think so. Where did I seem to do that? Um, <clears throat> I, I, you were recounting the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the tributes that, um, or the, the obituaries that both Cal and I had written, and you seem to think that his book on Roswell um, made some good arguments against it being an alien spacecraft. And I just wondered if you still still follow that trend. Well, I I was basically following Korf through through uh, Carl Flock, whose ah. book, like yours, I regard as one of the most valuable studies. If, and I think he needed to be given credit for that. Uh, <clears throat> when I'm asked about the skeptical side of the, the argument, Cal's, uh, not Cal, uh, Carl's book is the one I always recommend. I think it's a well-done book. There's some mistakes in it, but we can say that about everybody. <clears throat> and I'm not sure that Carl relied that much on Cal Corp because I think he knew the problems with Cal Corp uh, making stuff up when he wrote his book on Roswell. And I, I can give you a couple of examples, but we really don't need to discuss that <clears throat> here. I've, <clears throat> boy, I'm having trouble. We've, I've discussed that several times on my blog. So those of you who are interested in my anti-Corf arguments, you can see them at www.kevinrandall.com. Uh, I'm sorry, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. I was thinking about something else and I got, got ahead of myself. Uh, I was going to say just type Cal Corf into the search engine and it'll bring it up. Let's uh, let's do the uh, thing we've really gotten to uh, talk about here is your book, Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO. What's the theme of the book? The theme of the book is that UFOs are a myth and myths are real. Okay, that they are kind of the collective dreams of the human species. And when a myth is projected into the sky, that is big news. Something like what our ancestors would have called visions of God. Well then, the thing that comes to my mind immediately says UFOs are myth, then you don't think there's alien spacecraft, you don't think there's any physicality to the UFO phenomenon? I don't, no. How do you explain the landing traces? Well, let's focus on Socorro. 
Let's, because I, I'm familiar with that case. Yes, I, uh, as I said in my book, I have never seen a satisfying explanation of that. And it does not stand altogether alone, although I think I would agree with what I have heard you quoted as saying that it is probably the single best case in all UFO history. Am what? I misquoting you there? Yeah, I, it, it's one of the best. I, I think another one of the very best is Leveland, and it would be kind of an argument about which one would be the best. The Socorro case, of course, has the landing traces. Um, <clears throat> and we have, we found additional witnesses, as I mentioned in Encounter in the Desert. Um, <clears throat> ben Moss and Tony Angiola, who was on the on this program a couple of years ago talking about Socorro, mentioned that there had been three people who called the police department having heard the roar in the sky and, and maybe seen something. And I asked them at the time. Peak Performance knows that according to studies, nearly 30 million men suffer from ED and won't do anything about it. Maybe they're afraid the solution will be painful. Maybe they don't react well to medication. Maybe they're afraid it won't work. Don't be part of that 30 million. Call 1-800-210-8181. That's 1-800-210-8181. Or visit peakperformanceformen.com. Peak Performance. Man at his peak. Hello. Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it cash back match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Did you uh, follow up? Is that, is that recorded in the police logs? And I never got a satisfactory answer from them. I mean, so I did some research on my own and discovered that on the night of the sighting, April 24th, Richard Holder, who was an army captain stationed at White Sands, had sent a report to the Pentagon and mentioned that three people had called into the police station saying that they had heard or seen something in the sky prior to any of the information getting out and prior to um, <clears throat> Zamora actually seeing the thing. So we have, and I understand it's really shaky evidence because we don't know who they are. Nobody bothered to find out who they were in 1964, but uh, this suggests some kind of physicality to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible to say that Zamora dug those traces himself, but then you'd have to say he's a liar and a hoaxer, which goes against what everybody who knew him said about him. So I have to admit I am baffled. And when I was 15 years old, which is when I first, or well, I was 16, when the, uh, when the Socorro case happened, I would have said, yes, okay, we all know that the vast majority of UFO sightings can be explained as mundane events, but as long as there is 10% or 5% or even as the Air Force used to say, 2%, that is proof that there's something really there. Now, 70 odd, 70 -odd years after the UFO era began, I look back and there are just a sprinkling 
of those genuinely baffling cases, something on the on the level of Socorro. And I say, if we've been visited by extraterrestrials for all that time, surely there would be clearer and more explicit evidence. Of well, let me interrupt it you this sir. time. Let me interrupt. We will be coming back here in just a moment. We'll continue the discussion on the evidence for the visitation or possible visitation. The book is called Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of UFO, and I'll have more information about it up on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Please notice I got it right. We will be back right after this, so please stick around. Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Gen E as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality is formulated from zoolite whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past 
lives, it links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. I am joined by David Halperin. We're talking about his book, Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO. And we've discovered that he's thinking of UFOs as something of a a modern myth, I suppose. When we went away, we were talking a little bit about the uh, Socorro case and the physical traces left behind. And you had mentioned just as we broke that um, after 70 years of investigation, there didn't seem to be a, the robust nature of good classic cases to suggest alien visitation. Um, and I, I cut you off. So I, if you've got something you'd like to expand on that, go ahead now. Yeah, well, I'll take my text from my one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Ezekiel. The days grow long and every vision faileth, which I think applies rather well to the expectations of people who, like me, originally thought the UFOs were extraterrestrial visitors. Think of the, the earliest UFO, the first UFO book to be published was Donald Kehoe's of The Flying Saucers Are Real. And he has... A, I, I would say a very affecting passage where he describes how he takes a, 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 a goes on a flight on a commercial airplane and he reflects that every one of the passengers on this airplane would have their lives transformed by what Kehoe was writing about, the coming of the saucers. Now, more, more than seven, 70 years have passed since then. Hardly anyone aboard that flight is still alive. And not a single one has had his or her life even marginally affected by the presence of the UFOs. Surely this is, suggests powerfully that that model of explaining UFOs is not going to work. Well, let me ask you this, though. Couldn't it be that the reason we don't have the kind of evidence we'd like to prove alien visitation is a manipulation of the data by governmental agencies and an attempt to suppress that information, and we have good evidence that that is the case? But then you have to invoke more mysteries to explain the one you started with. Surely government suppression would not prevent UFOs from, from flying in broad daylight over towns and cities repeatedly so that people could get indisputable photographs of them, so that thousands could see them. And in 70 years, nothing of the sort has happened. Now, what I wrote in the book is that the case for the physical existence of UFOs is neither frivolous nor negligible. There is, there are cases like Socorro, which baffle me and support you. But I said, it is problematic enough to encourage us 
to come up with a different model for explaining them. And in this case, a model that does not discount or diminish them, because I believe, I assume you believe that the UFOs pose a major challenge to us and an important problem that must be paid attention to. And I totally agree with that. All, what I disagree with is in what way they pose that challenge. I agree with you that there is a mystery about UFOs. What I do not agree is where the mystery lies. In my view, it lies not in the heavens, but in our souls. But couldn't we also say that the problem is without, there are no fleets of UFOs flying over this cities all the time is because of the vast distances between the stars or among the stars here in our own galaxy and the probable expenditures of wealth and energy to get from there to here. And so the number of times a legitimate UFO has actually gotten to Earth is much fewer than the literally millions of reports that have been made in those 70 years. You do not feel that there's something strained in that explanation? I'm, I'm just asking the question here that, that isn't that a possible reason we don't have the kind of um, displays that you seem to, to suggest would prove the case. I mean, I could postulate the prime directive from Star Trek, which is observe but don't interfere, I, or the anthropological statement, observe but don't interfere. And so they're observing rather than interfering. So they, while they don't go to great pains to hide themselves, they are seen in the daylight, there's photographs, there's good movie footage, there's physical traces, there's radar tracks, all suggesting of physicality um, to the phenomenon rather than just something that uh, I guess is in the ether out there that causes it to believe there's alien spacecraft coming. But flip that around. I mean, that, 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 that at times, as in Belgium in 1990, they've been tracked on radar going at supersonic speed. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called micro laser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello 
Bello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Kids, without creating sonic booms, would that not suggest the opposite that of there being solid physical objects? Or would it not be- suggest that they maybe their stealth technology is much better than ours? And again, you have to re- to appeal to the unknown to account for the unknown. But I can also say, if we looked at the UFO sighting, we if we took a modern fighter plane back to 1947, then the observations of the people on the ground would be based on their knowledge and the words they can use. They would not understand the stealth technology that we have today. And so could, and I, I know what you're going to say, but the, this answer is that their technology has defeated those sorts of uh, problems and we're working to defeat them as well. We've managed to defeat the heat signatures from the aircraft and the radar signatures. So that they would be able to go at supersonic speeds without creating sonic booms. Yes, yes. Or on the, on the flip side of that is the people who suggested they were going moving at supersonic speeds were inaccurate in what they said. But they found a way to dampen to dampen the problem. I think we're we've we've exhausted our arguments here. I think you're. Your listeners have heard my positions on this, and I think they've heard yours. And clearly, you have a coherent argument. Otherwise, highly intelligent and well-informed people like you could not possibly believe in UFOs. Does that make sense to you? You There's clearly a real argument to be made. But to me, it is insufficient. And that we learn much more about the phenomenon if we approach it in another way. And that's what my book tried to do. Well, what you're, you're absolutely right. I, I look at it from the point of view that we have some physicality uh, in some of the cases. I look at it that the great scientific study of fly, unidentified flying objects done by the Condon Committee was wholly inaccurate, especially when they explained one of the sightings as a phenomenon so rare it had never been seen before or since. I will not defend the Condon report. Oh, I didn't expect you to because I, I don't know how, how scientifically you can defend it because it's clear what it was. But that also harkens back to the ar- argument. Here is a clear attempt to suppress the uh, UFO information so that the kind of things that you would like to see may have existed at some point, but they were able to convince people not to come forward to talk about it. They've introduced the ridicule factor. And in fact, one of the newspaper articles that uh, Don Schmidt and I always cite is back in 1947, there was a headline or a quote in a newspaper that said, flying saucers seen in 38 states, but not Kansas. Kansas is a dry state, implying that if you see UFOs or flying saucers, you're a drunk. The ridicule factor is plainly there. But I, I'm going to, I won't say disagree with you on that, but go a bit further than you. I think it is not a creation 
of the Condon Report or anybody else, but it is part of the phenomenon. That part of the phenomenon, just as it generates spacey enthusiasm, it also generates knee-jerk ridicule. And in understanding what the UFO means to us, which is where I think the crux of the issue is, we need to understand both. So you're not rejecting the physicality. I am. I am. You are, you are rejecting physicality. What I'm rejecting is the brushing aside of UFOs as nonsense. And when I call UFOs a myth, you and your, your listeners must understand clearly that I do not use that word to disparage them. We are so used to thinking of a myth as meaning bunk or nonsense or something that isn't true that we ha I, would, I would encourage people to get their minds around another sense of it, that it is something that comes deep within us, that speaks usually in symbolic terms of some truth that we otherwise will not recognize. Well, we're going to have to take another break here, unfortunately. Uh, the blog is www.davidhalperin.net for the information that he has on UFOs. Mine, of course, is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. If you're interested in the Socorro case and some of the information that I was able to find about it, the book is Encounter in the Desert, and it's specifically about the Socorro case, but there's a lot of other information in it as well. And uh, we're probably going to get into this at some point here, so I'll mention Roswell in the 21st century because I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the... Uh, Project Mogul explanation for the Roswell case. So we'll come back to that right after this. So everybody stick around. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. 
Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. Audience, if you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. Or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. For more information on the X-Zone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. I am with David Halperin. We're talking Intimate Alien, the hidden story of the UFO. And we've talked about the physicality a bit. We've talked about the mythology and mythology not necessarily being a pejorative term to use when describing UFOs. I just can't seem to get my head around part of this, however. And that's when we come back to the physicality. You suggested something internal in the human psyche that causes us to, uh, I guess, believe in the alien thing. My PhD dissertation was on the influence of belief structure on the identification of ambiguous stimuli, meaning that if we saw lights in the sky and we were predisposed to believe in flying saucers, then we saw alien spacecraft. And if we had a more religious bend, we might see ghosts or angels and that sort of thing. But I guess what I can't get around and 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 you're the one that brought up the Socorro case and I'd, I'd seen that in your book uh, where we have the physical traces that are inexplicable and I don't because we have outside witnesses other than Lonnie Zamora I, I just can't get my head around this idea that you've reduced the thing or maybe rejected the idea of the physicality yeah I just I just can't uh, I cannot explain that how the traces came to be at Socorro. There is the explanation that lies close to hand, which is that Zamora hoaxed them. I mean, other than that being completely out of character for him, would you see that as impossible? Oh, absolutely not. Um, But I do remember Sam Chavez, who was the first guy to get there after Zamora made the call to the police station. Uh, he, He was there in a matter of minutes. And he actually looked to see if there was any shovel or anything like that that Zamora had in his patrol car that would have allowed him to create create the um, the 
impressions and that sort of thing in the ground. Also, there was the burned area that seemed to defy analysis. It was clear that it had been burned, but they found no uh, chemical accelerants to suggest how it was burned. So this is suggestive of something beyond Zomora's capability of creating. No, I would agree with you. It is baffling. And that was and that was Hector Quintanella, Quintanella's uh, solution as well. That uh, he he being the head of Project Blue Book, and I mentioned that for the for the audience who may not know who he was. Uh, it's one of the very few cases in the Project Blue Book files where there were alien creatures observed that wasn't immediate labeled as some kind of a psychological problem by the witness. Then let me, you mentioned the alien creatures or the creatures. Now these creatures looked human, did they not, except for their small size? Humanoid, I would say, as opposed to human. A fine, uh, line, a fine line, but a, a line I would draw. And I don't know that you ought to draw that line, because we would also speak of the UFO beings that we now call the greys, and that came into public attention with the publication of uh, Whitley Strieber's communion. Those also could be called humanoid, yet clearly alien, clearly not like us. And that was not the way Zamora described his pilots. And it is very hard for me to escape the sense that the a physical appearance of the UFO pilots transforms itself as the UFO tradition grows and develops. Now, if we see this as a creation of the human mind, that is easily explainable. If we see it as an actual visitation of some outer space species, then it becomes much more difficult, don't you think so? Oh, absolutely. I, and I'm always bothered by the fact that many people describe alien creatures when they when they see them as as humanoid, and some of them, in fact, as human. That bothers me greatly because it doesn't seem to be very likely that life evolving on another planet would follow uh, the traditions of Earth, so to speak, unless there's another force at play here. I mean, one of the other best UFO sightings, I imagine you'll agree, is Father Gill in 1959 at Papua New Guinea. And, for, and he writes, he wrote in his report, there is no doubt they are human of the beings he saw walking on the deck of the flying disc. Yet at the same time, he described them as being luminous, as angels would be. But that sounds to me more like a perception problem than it does anything else. We get harken back to the identification of an ambiguous stimuli and, and, and how your belief structure forms that, um, that impression. Uh, but I was thinking of, of uh, with the Zamora case, and I, and, I, and I made the point earlier that, that Zamora was not alone in his observations that others had seen the thing, and, and the follow-up is what was lacking here by, by Holder, by the FBI, by the Lorenzans, Coral and Jim Lorenzen of APRO, by the NICAP guys. Nobody tried to find these people, which is just frustrating as hell. But uh, so you, you don't, you're not relying just on Zamora, but you also have the physical traces left behind 
you have Sam Chavez getting there so quickly and no evidence of anybody else fleeing the scene. Nobody, no evidence of, of these alien creatures other than they got back into the craft, whatever it was, and it lifted off. So you've, you've got a real problem here with the physicality of this. You can't really, you, you, you can say that Zamora interpreted the appearance of the, the creatures in human terms because that was less frightening for him than some kind of alien beings, or he wasn't thinking of alien beings. He saw the shapes and he just concluded they were human. You, you have all those sorts of perceptions playing here, but you have the physicality of what remained behind. And we have a lot of cases where UFOs left some landing traces. They were tracked on radar. They were intercepted by jet fighters. They were fired on any number of times. And I've actually talked to pilots who said that the, the bullets bounced off the object, which suggests that um, you've got some kind of a physicality there. And and that's, get my, that's where I get hung up. And in 70 years, they have never once collided with an airplane. I mean, Leslie Kane in her uh, book, UFOs, uh, what is it, Pilots, Generals Speak, warns us that we need to clarify what's going on with the UFOs because sooner or later there's bound to be an air disaster. And that does sound like a reasonable expectation. Yet in 70 years, there's never been one. Pilots have seen strange objects hurtling toward them, but they always miss. Is well, that not passing strange if we are dealing with physical yeah. objects in our atmosphere? But if, you, if you've got a... Um... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing that strikes me immediately with that. My, uh, my car has cruise control on it, and I have it, had it on, and I noticed when I got too close to a car in front of me, it automatically slows down to prevent those sorts of collisions. And I'm also suggesting that maybe the problem is that we're not having the number of visitations that uh, are... are suggested by the sightings they're they're much fewer uh, and further between which would lessen the opportunity to crash into one crash into a, an aircraft i think we could keep on this back and forth but i'd like to steer in a slightly different direction hey that's my and, job. and i'd like yeah i know this is your thing but i want to talk about something you've written you wrote a very impressive article for the IUR, I cannot remember the date of it, in which you describe a young man and his girlfriend out in a car, and they both see what they assume to be a UFO. The young man describes what is identifiably a landing airplane, which is how you identified it. You, you, you remember the article I'm talking about. Yes, it was about the Mount Vernon sightings from... Uh, around 1976. Yeah. And what happened was the um, young woman's story kept, kept, kept evolving to it was just lights in the sky until it was a dome disc, until there were creatures seen behind the dome. And I talked to the young man and I asked him how come he had never said anything about this. And he said, because nobody ever asked him. I was the only one to actually interview him. Everybody was interviewing her. So I understand what you're saying. And, it, and, and I went out to the site and I identified the objects because I could see them myself. Yes, you solved that case completely. But to me, you just that just opened 
the question of what was going on with that young woman. My questions for on that episode would involve what precisely was her relationship with the young man. Was it, uh, were they dating? Was it yes. strange? Yeah. So how do we, I will ask, how do we explain the transformation within her of that sighting? And this is the question that I focus on in my book. And the answer, the answer to the question is, I think it, it, that answer lies in psychology. And to her, it was much more comforting to see something piloting the, those objects, those lice that she saw. It was a way of her dealing with, I guess, her fright of the circumstance of, that they were in. They were in no danger, of course. We're going to have to take a break here, unfortunately. The book, once again, is Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO. The website is www.davidhalperin.net, and it's all lowercase, David Halperin, one word, dot net. Mine, of course, is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And for those of you that are interested in reading that article that uh, David has just mentioned, it's on my blog, just typed in Mount Vernon, Iowa, and it should come up uh, on the search, search engine. We will be back right after this, so please stick around. to me over and over again simultv.com simultv.com what's simultv.com that's what i asked them they had it written on the side of their ufo how do you spell that ufo no i mean simultv.com 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 right simultv.com interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com ufo last night oh yeah yeah now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com.
Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. As I have said many times, I am here with David Halpern. We're talking about UFOs, his book, Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO. And when we went away, we were having a discussion, again, about physicality and that sort of thing. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Barney and Betty Hill case, because I think this is kind of the direction you were going. I did a book with Russ Estes and Bill Cohn back in 1999 that somehow has been overlooked called The um, Abduction Enigma. I have not overlooked it. I have read it. I was <laughs> well, impressed. I, I wasn't suggesting you overlooked it. I was thinking of the UFO community in general having overlooked it. And Whitley Strieber actually saying mean things to me about it. But that's a whole other argument. Um, but, the, but the premise of the book was, and I think this is kind of where we were going in our discussions, was that the explanation for the abduction phenomenon, with the possibility of a few rare exceptions, but the overall explanation was... This was a mythology that grew out of the UFO uh, field. We can look at movies from as early as 1908, where the man in the moon comes down to Earth to capture a bride, and Mars needs women to repopulate the planet, I guess. Uh, Killers in Space, where Peter Graves is actually abducted by the aliens, and he has the, the, the scar on his chest and the missing time and all of that phenomenon. So I, I look at that, and I, I can see where the Barney and Betty Hill case was influenced by, you might say, the cultural elements that were out there for us all to uh, perceive. That kind of where you were going? I was actually proposing something much more fantastic, and if I happen to be right, much more important. And that is that Barney was reliving a memory transmitted across the across the generations of his ancestors being abducted in the night and taken to an alien ship okay i was always under the impression that betty hill was the one that um, reported the abduction in her dreams communicated those to Barney, as they discussed them before they brought in, I think it was Walter Webb to do the NICAP investigation. Yeah. Um, Betty Hill had actually written a letter to Don Kehoe, and when it was published in uh, Fuller's book, he left a key sentence out. And that sentence was, and I think Mark Rodiger at the Center for UFO Studies discovered this, that uh, Betty Hill wanted to undergo hypnosis to see if she could learn anything more about the sighting. 
So I was always on the impression that Betty Hill was really the one that generated the the abduction scenario. I don't think it was either one of them. I think it was the two of them together. That in their marriage, they enacted a reconciliation of this, the victims and the perpetrators of America's ancestral crime. Well, we probably, for those that don't know, Barney Hill was black and Betty Hill was white. And they were married in a time in the United States where there were actually laws that prohibited interracial marriage. So I think that would have brought great pressure on them, um, considering all the other pressures that you get under marriage as well. So I can understand how that might have happened. Yeah, and I think, that, and theirs is the beginning of the abduction tradition. There are a few earlier cases. There is that, what was his name? Antonio Villas Boas in 1957. But the full-blown abduction scenario enters our culture through Betty and Barney Hill. I would say it enters through science fiction. And then I mentioned some of the movies, and the one that really sticks in my mind is Killers from Space, because you have all the elements of the abduction phenomenon in that movie, uh, from, from the missing time, from the aliens from a dying planet, from the big eyes, from to the... Uh, the scar on his chest of, of that suggests advanced surgeries to the all the elements are there and I think if we look at other things there was a um, Twilight Zone episode called Hocus Pocus and Frisbee where Andy Devine is um, abducted by aliens to his spacecraft and Betty Hill actually asked Barney at one point uh, if, if he'd been watching the Twilight Zone again the uh, Aliens actually have the kind of wraparound eyes he talked to. I, talks, Barney Hill talks about, and I think it's uh, more likely that would be the genesis of Bet Barney's dis description of the alien as opposed to the Bolero Shield, which was on the Outer Limits. But both these programs uh, were shown on national TV prior to Barney Hill describing the aliens and that sort of thing. I have no doubt that the Bolero Shield contributed Barney's description of the wraparound eyes. Well, I think I, it's a Twilight Zone. Yeah, I think uh, it was one episode of it. Yes, the Bolero Shield, no? No, the, uh, the Twilight Zone was called Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. The Bolero Shield was on the um, Outer Limits, and I think the skeptical community, um, Martin Klotmeyer? Yeah, uh, Marty Klotmeyer, yeah. He... Uh, he, he he and the others talk about the Bolero Shield, but I think the more likely genesis is the uh, Twilight Zone episode because the eyes look more like what they had, like Barney draws, and the face is the same kind of blank that Barney draws. But that's okay, I, I won't dispute that. But I, <laughs> but I would doubt that seeing TV science fiction would have had such a powerful effect on him unless it plugged into something deep within him that was the source of utter terror. You remember that the, the, that the uh, hypnotist, Benjamin Simon, was afraid that Barney was going to throw himself out of the window. He became so agitated. Uh, that Phil Kloss listening to the tapes, and Kloss, as many of your uh, listeners may know, was 
was one of the deans of the UFO skeptics in the late 20th century, that Kloss said, listening to those tapes, I could completely agree with the doctor that Barney had seen something and it had been a terrifying experience. I cannot imagine that simply watching science fiction could have had such power for him unless it resonated to something already within him. And I can understand that. Uh, in watching Game of Thrones, when the dragon was killed by the Night King and it crashed and fell into the lake, that scene horrified me as a former Army helicopter pilot having been shot down. And I just don't want to watch that scene ever again. I understand that kind of resonance that can be brought about by seeing something on television that really doesn't relate directly to your experience, but certainly brings up those sorts of memories. We've got about two minutes left here, and there are points where we actually agree more heavily. Um, what are some examples of that quickly? Well, I, the, you wanted to talk about Project Mogul. I don't think we agree on Project Mogul. Uh, okay, we disagree and we agree. I, we disagree in that I'm very attracted to the mogul explanation, and I wish it could be true. But we, you don't think we it's true? I think your analysis of the Crary diary was completely convincing. Okay. And then. that and that with that, we have the, tr the, the essential fact that the mogul theorists ignore is that there were not infinite numbers of these launches at the time that they were limited, they were written down, nearly all of them were traced to, sort, to places distant from Roswell. Uh, and the the exception was, what was it, Flight 4, I think? And Flight you, number I think 4. You, yeah, yeah, you showed convincingly that it never flew. So, at the moment, I would say, I cannot accept the mogul explanation, but I wish someone would come along and show that your arguments are wrong because it is such an aesthetically satisfying explanation. I love it. I just I think I have to leave it. I, and that's kind of where I was on the Jim Ragsdale story of seeing the crash, being out there in the desert with his paramour and watching the UFO crash. And I'm thinking, this is great. You now start my lectures by saying, you know, this was like every science fiction movie you've seen, the couple out in the desert or out in Lover's Lane and the thing flies over and they go out to explore it. And, and now I have to reject that because obviously it was untrue. I get it. Uh, we're out of time. I wish we'd gotten to Mogul. I had notes and notes and notes and we just went off on all kinds of tangents that I had not expected, but that's the way the show goes sometimes. On the contrary, I thought I thought you called attention to one of the basic flaws in my argument. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I will say once again, the book is Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO. The website is www.davidhalperin.net. Take a look at that. I will uh, post on my blog a link to it as well. Uh, David, thank you so much for taking time this afternoon to chat with us about your book. Thank you for having me, Kevin. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Uh, we will be doing, um, or I should say, more information will be available at www.blogspot.com. 
in the uh, near future, or it, it may be out now, there's a book called The Best of Project Blue Book, which is a book I've done where I've looked at the Project Blue Book cases, brought in evidence from uh, other sources that Blue Book didn't explore and information that was developed in the years since Blue Book closed. It, uh, I think it uh, shows where the Air Force went awry. I think it's a, an important book to take a look at. Always take a look at Roswell in the 21st century. Uh, David Halpern seemed to enjoy the book. I'm certainly happy that that's true. I will be back uh, next week with another edition of A Different Perspective. So thanks for listening.